What is up, everybody? Welcome to Mongol, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. The Hounds took another three points from New York, and the league is talking about going European, and we're going to break it all down. But first, the, uh, victory. The, the victory beverage from the Victory Brewery. Is that correct? Yeah, Victory Brewery. Uh, I forget where they're located, but they're not far away. Have we have we been like explicit that the victory beverage is typically alcoholic, or have we intentionally tried to stay away from that? I can't I, remember. I used before we were video. I never said what I was drinking because I figured, eh, they can't see me. I'm not going to say it's alcohol. But now we're on video, so it's kind of hard to like pretend like it's not. Although, truth be told, there was many times during the uh, uh, audio only sessions where it was just like a freaking. Uh, pop La or <laughs> LaCroix. Or LaCroix. Be like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just got a LaCroix. No one will know. It's fine. <laughs> Not anymore, man. This is, this is a prime opportunity for listeners. Uh, if you have recommendations or drinks that you'd like to see Josh partake in <laughs> on the show, a new segment. That's fun. Let us know. Yeah, that could be a new segment. Like somebody submit a new drink. And we need we'll... a jingle for that. We need to we come need... up with like Josh's new drink or something. Like, I don't know. Like, there it is. Beverage. There's our jingle. Yeah. Victory <laughs> beverage. Uh, mail-in. There we go. I, I like that idea better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can either join us live and submit what drink you think Josh should drink uh, in the chat or, you know, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and let us know and uh, we'll give you credit for it on the show. Assuming Josh actually drinks it. But uh, yeah, let us know. You said that was, again, that's a victory. What's it called? Uh, it is a Easy Ringer Session IPA Victory uh, Brewery. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Kev, what's going on uh, in Tennessee? Uh, what is going on in Tennessee? I don't know what's going on in Tennessee, but I, I ate just loads of pasta last weekend. Um, I watched Luca, and it got me in the mood. And uh, Good movie. Great movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Pixar does it again. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, a lot of pasta. A lot of, a lot of just running and, nine, you know, heat index of 98 in Tennessee and just doing the thing. <laughs> um, for some reason I thought, well, I thought of both, I thought of everybody on Mongols, but the uh, USL released a competition, I guess August is supporters month. And you, you could submit a video of yourself of why you think that you should, you deserve to be a supporter of the week. And I'm like, you know, here we have Josh who's president of the steel army. We have Kev who's in Tennessee supporting a USL team in Pittsburgh and talking about it once a week. So, like, you guys should make videos and compete against each other to be supporter of the week. That'd I mean, be awesome. You kind of just dropped the ball there because you, you literally started a whole network of podcasts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah whatever. You know, yeah, supporting the whole USL. That's uh, not a thing. Much. Whatever. That's it. It's you fine. Know, Moving on. Network. Whatever. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, guys, the Hounds won 3-1 against Red Bulls. Uh, taking it to them again. We got goals from Dixon, Ciceroni, and Dequa. Typically, our front three, but we're going to talk about this for a second. Uh, Kenny, his starting position was actually much further up the field. He got himself two assists, bringing his total 29 as a hound, passing our buddy Kevin Kerr to make Kenny the all-time River Hounds assist leader. So, round of applause to King Kenny for that, for sure. That's awesome. That's Congrats, really cool. man. Yeah. Um, well deserved. Guys, give us a, give us some takeaways from this game. Josh, what did uh, what'd you think? This was fun. 
it was fun to actually like have multiple goals to not feel like you're at the you know seat of your pants the whole match where you're like oh no oh no it's like no we got three goals up and i'm like wow i can breathe this is fun <laughs> like, like i'm not worried about a late equalizer like granted like when they uh you know they did score uh after we scored the first one uh but it it was still like you, you got far enough ahead two goals ahead where it felt good yeah for sure it, it never really felt in doubt we seem to be the team on the front foot kev how did you feel yeah no i mean I think the biggest, well, no, the biggest talking point is that we won and that we won three, one and how great that is to, to keep the, to keep the momentum going and, and to get this kind of middle part of the season momentum going that we desperately needed after their, uh, the start of the season. But, um, the, the interesting thing that I, I was, you know, ready to talk about for, for this week's podcast was the weird switch up where we see the same 11, but yeah, Rivera's weird, and Dixon's playing as a wing back ish, um, and uh, you know Kenny's a bit higher. So, it, 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 yeah, it, to me, Lily mixed it up while keeping the same eleven, and we still, you know, we get a, the same fluidity. I think that's one of the biggest things for me is even in somewhat altered positions, uh, Revere probably the most. Um, you know, players still know where, where each other's at and there's really good patterns of play and, and connections and link up and uh, and the fluidity just keeps going. And so, yeah, I mean, created loads of chances. We created more than them. I think Red Bulls played us well, but, I mean, we we, des- like, we deserve to win 3-1 um, all said and done. I feel like Danny Rivera is, is like if Danny Earls and Ryan James had a kid. Like that's kind of like he, he sort of plays that style. He has a little bit of a bite to him, but I thought it was really interesting because Kev, like you said, you see the lineup and you're like, okay, it's the same lineup, but we were kind of playing a two holding midfielder setup. And part of me thinks, you know, we've talked to Lily a lot during the season and he keeps saying, did I say Lily? We talked to Lily a lot. He keeps saying he wants to get Kenny higher and higher up the pitch. And I wonder if this was just Lily saying, you have, you can't be back there because there's literally two other people playing that position right now. So like, get forward and make stuff happen. I like the, I mean, I like the idea of having Rovi and Griffin sort of playing side by side. I think, you know, you kind of have the one that is a bit of a destroyer in Rovi, which you gotta I think watch. Griffin's a bit of a destroyer. Too. Well, listen, they both they they certainly both are, but I th- it feels like the past few games Rovi's picked up a yellow, so we're probably only a few games away from him picking up yellow card accumulation and having to sit out. But um, I I I liked what I saw, and we'll see if it continues. I mean, there was things not to be too happy about with this game. Like I remember the first half of. Uh, pretty much the last half of the first half us not being able to connect passes worth crap. It kept on like still our possession was not great. Link ups was not fantastic. Every time we got the ball, we just gave it away right away. And it was just annoying. Uh, the second half though, definitely felt a lot better. Um, so it wasn't, you know, all roses, but it, it was definitely a lot better and felt great by the end of the second half. Obviously, well, I, I think like the Red Bulls, goal comes off of Wharton what so ETLO gathers it tries to start like a quick counter and throws it out to Wharton and Wharton just yeah 
gives it away in, in, in our half and they turn and I, you know, to give the Red Bulls player credit, I forget who scored, but it was a, it's a good goal. I mean, VTL comes out, closes the space, he knocks it around him and from a tight angle, he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of space to put it in and the Red Bulls player puts it in. Um, so yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. There was a moment where, I don't know what it was, if we were just trying to push it too quickly, trying to move things too quickly, and we kind of blew ourselves out in the first 15, 20 minutes or something, and legs kind of went, but yeah, I, I do remember that being a thing in the in the second part of the first half. Yeah. You mentioned Alex Dixon sort of playing out of position. I feel like he can play anywhere and basically be considered out of position because he's just all over the place, but he still finds a way to get a goal against Red Bulls and one assist really um I, I want to count it as two i know it doesn't count as two because he started the the play that led to ciceroni's goal he sort of played it in the dequa who knocked at the forbes who crossed at the ciceroni for the goal but um that was a great goal i mean uh, all all the goals were really good um but the second one in particular the third one felt very i mean i don't i I don't know what else to say, so I'm going to say it, but it felt very like Man City-ish in the sense of like, you just, you know, you get to the byline, cut, like cut it back and you have someone crashing the net and you just tap it in. Like that's a very like efficient, effective, well-planned out thing where you just get a guy driving to the byline, you commit a defender, he cuts it back under the 18, someone crashes and they knock it in. And so it, it, it was very like efficient in that way. Um, and it's not something, I don't know, it's not something I, I see the Riverhound score. They don't score goals like that usually. And uh, it's a, yeah, it's a very, it's, it's not one person taking on three players and, and shooting from 30 yards. Like that, that's a, that's a planned kind of patterned of play that can, can happen kind of over and over again. Um, whereas the second goal, was, it was like, it was like jazz, man. It was just like, <laughs> It was just like improvised, like just, it was, it was a great, it was a great, I mean, and yeah, Dixon setting it up first and Cicerone's touch to kind of let it go across his body and then get, you know, the perfect weight of a touch and then go around the keeper. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, and I think even for the first goal, Cicerone does great track back work and wins the ball back in like around our 18 and then starts to play off. Um, so no, I mean like huge, huge credit. I, I think arguably our, our best performing players right now are our front three, um, with Cicero and uh, Dequa and Dixon. Uh, Dixon was incredible again uh, in this game, and I think him, him and Cicero in particular are having really, really good seasons. Are, are catching catching fire right now. Would have been cooler if we had a bicycle kick in there somewhere. Uh <laughs> Okay. I think the scary part is that I don't think we've seen the peak of eight of any of these guys yet. Like I still tend to feel that Dixon's contributing, but I'm not sure that if out wide is still his best position, I think Dequa could get more service and get more done. And it still feels like there are times where Ciceroni is expecting more of himself. So like if there is a point where these guys, you know, all catch fire at the same time and push beyond where they're at now, like that's going to be pretty scary. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's against a team like Tampa or Hartford or, you know, somebody that we can knock some points away from. Um, I don't know. I, I think for me, I, I don't – this is going to sound – I don't mean it to sound degrading at all. This is like, like the third or fourth time where you're like, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I don't mean to sound – but, like, I, I don't – like, I don't – like, I think this is their peak. 
and it's great. Like I, I think I think they're playing extremely well. Let's not forget this is another game where yeah we get three goals, but all of our three goals for me are coming from our three attackers. Like these are midfield goals. Well, hold on, what do you mean by for me? Like well because <laughs> like Dixon Dixon's ta- I, Dixon's a wingback in this game, so like yeah, you can't say but, he's a forward. Like yeah, so that's, that's my point. Yeah. So. Um, and Cicerone, I mean, he's not a wing back, but yeah, he's Dequa is the out and out forward in this game. Right. And so, but historically and classically, Dixon and Cicerone are forwards. Um, but you know, that's another game. You know, yeah, Ken, you know, Kenny's getting assists. I don't, I don't want to harp on him too much. He, he, I think gets a few shots off where where he could score. Mm-hmm. Um, he had like two really good chances that he could have put away. Uh, and he didn't. I love Kenny, <laughs> and you know, and he, I think he had a good game again. Let's um, welcome our new guest, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had a good game again. Um, but yeah, you know, it's no goals from Griffin, no from Rivera. You know, once but again, we're not, sco- we're not we're not scoring off of, we're not scoring off of any corners. Like you know, our our big center backs aren't getting goals. This, like we can't keep relying on Cicerone, Dequa, and Dixon to score every game, and I, I think, think we right can though. Like I don't understand what you're saying because like it's not like we're get, getting all of our goals from one person. Like in the past, we've had the issue where it's like, hey, Nick, it's Nick really easy to shut us yeah. down because yeah. all you gotta do is cover one player, and right. then we're screwed. And that's not the case when we're scoring from three different people in one game. Like. who cares if it's only coming from the forwards if there's multiple of them like it's only an issue if it's all coming from one guy i agree but i'm just uh, all three of them aren't going to score every game right so like says you (laughs) (laughs) i feel like especially like i don't know historically if you're what nico was probably uh a one and two at best goal scorer. Um, you know, if you're a one and three goal scorer when you're having three, four, that's pretty good. And that means like, if you like statistically average everything out, you're getting one goal a game from each of them. So like, that's what I mean. Sure. Every, uh, the stars align in this game and we, and we knock in three goals. And I'm not saying we only created three chances and we scored three, three goals. We created a lot of chances. But the point being is I, I want to see more numbers and more goals from other people. I don't disagree, but I also feel like you're splitting hairs a bit. I mean, in the past few games, we've gotten goals from Williamson. We've got Todd Wharton contributing. It's not that it's just coming from these guys. Would I like to see more set-piece goals or more corner kick goals? Yeah. I mean, that's something that it seems like we're lacking in every single year. Um, but I also don't know what usl teams are overly proficient on set pieces and you might have some guys that can take set pieces but when it comes to like corner kicks and stuff you don't have like a set piece specialist for the most part yeah yeah i mean it's just like looking at our stats here we have the most goals coming from cicerone like he has seven goals and then after that we have williamson with two actually two 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 so williamson dequa velarde griffin and dixon they all have two goals each uh, and then after that, we have uh, Perez and Wharton, one goal each. Uh, so, I mean, pretty evenly distributed as far as, like, after you get past Cicerone. It, not too bad. I mean, that's surprising, though. Like, that feels like that almost makes Kevin's point where I'm like, like well, I, It makes the point that we're getting most of our goals from one person, which is what I don't want to see. But, right. I mean, that's a lot of goals from the other players shared between them all. Right. That's fair. 
Well, I think the distribution of it, a lot of those, you know, the Velarde, the Wharton, okay, not Williamson, um, but a lot of those other goals come earlier in the season. In the past few games, it's only been the front three. And so I guess maybe that's what I, that's what's on my mind. When, when we're in our streak and we're, you know, we're winning games and we're scoring goals, it's it's kind of whittled down to to our front three, um, which is worth it. And that's the thing. I mean, like, we're not I, – I could be splitting hairs here again, but, you know, we're not – I would say we're playing three center backs, right? We're not we're not playing two center backs. So, so it's just like an extra tall guy for corners, right? I mean, Kilwine and Veet and Robinson, they should be getting on the end of some corners, right? I mean, like they're they're, they're big guys are good in the air, and so yeah, I don't know. It's, Griffin, I think Griffin has the talent, but I don't think that's his role. I, I have some. I have some thoughts on Griffin as well. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about it later, but uh, but no. Well, listen, listen. We've got a lot to talk about in this in this show, so I was going to move past this game relatively quickly. So, if you want to share your thoughts on Griffin, then we'll sort of jump to. I think I think Griffin. My my only slight. I think he's a great player. I think he's having a good season. Um, I, I really don't have too much negative to say about him. The only thing that kind of popped up in my mind while watching this game is he he's. He's going to ground a little too much. And I like the, the general adage um, is like, you know, if you have to slide in, then you're out of position kind of thing. And it feels like just too often he's relying on lunging in and winning the ball. And I mean, to be fair to him, eight out of 10 times he's winning the ball. Um, but that also leaves him exposed where when you don't miss, well, then you're on the ground and they're countering pretty quickly. Or if you, if you miss, then you're, you know, more likely to get a yellow card than, than not. I mean, he gets a yellow card in this game. Um, so that's not to say I don't want my midfielders to be combative and, you know, chippy and aggressive. I do. But, yeah, I, I, that, that was just one thing that kind of came to me. I was like, eh, he's, he's going around a lot. And, and I don't know. I don't disagree. And I fully agree with the, like, when you go to ground, it's typically because you're out of position. But I also wonder how much of that was – you know, he was basically playing with a new defensive midfielder pairing with Roby, and he's used to Kenny being back there next to him. So he might have had to cover extra ground because Roby's figuring out the position. I know you're. <laughs> Steve Steve made the point, and I was going to make this point as well, but I'll throw it up. Uh, he said, "I felt we haven't needed to find goals elsewhere because the forwards are scoring. So, like, you want your forwards to score." They're scoring, and it's if you if we lose this game one nothing, I think we're like, well, why aren't our forwards scoring? Like, what's the problem <laughs> there? So, I it's also nice to see that our assists are pretty well distributed out there because, like, we have uh, four assists from Forbes. Dixon has four. Dequa has three. Cicerone has two assists, and then one by like Williamson, and Roviera, and Velarde. So I don't know. I feel like there's not one piece of the puzzle where you just shut down that one player and we're screwed. And that's what I like to see. So that's my only worry is if that becomes the case. And Cicerone is our best forward and he is our biggest goal scorer, but we still have more going for us than just Cicerone this year. Agreed. My my last point on the whole goal scoring thing is, I mean, Josh, you, you, you read out the numbers before (laughs) for how much Dixon and Dick, have played this season you know we're 15 games in and both of them have two goals it's not a great return 
if no, you're if you're yeah. yeah if you're if you're in the forward if you're in the forward line and expecting a goal it's not a great return um you know when like I'm, I'm looking at the standings now and you know hartford who have played three games less than us has scored four more goals than we have um and you know in in seasons gone by where we're unquestionably the best defensive team in the league it's not the case this season uh, we don't we don't have you know the least goals against even in our division, let alone, let alone, you know, the Eastern conference or, or the entire league. So yeah. in a season, and by the way, I'm not trying to say like, this is probably my favorite incarnation of the river hounds that I've watched in the past few seasons. Um, I think they're, they're incredibly fun to watch. They're creating a lot of chances. I wouldn't trade this in. I'm just, I'm just trying to like contextualize not fears, but I don't know. I have to talk about something, right? It's a podcast. Like, <laughs> like, and so I'm just trying to contextualize it where in a season where, you know, defensively we're not as strong, um, you know, and we're not scoring as many goals as, as the people around us at the moment. Yeah. But we are seeing Dixon and Dequa yeah. assists makers as well. Like, you know, Dixon has four assists uh, tied with Forbes this year. So like, even though he's not scoring as much as Cicerone, he is still contributing to our attack in a meaningful, positive way. So uh, I, it's hard to be too hard on Dixon or Dequa when they both have between them uh, seven assists. Uh, so it's it's not too shabby. Yeah. And especially, I mean, the time to be critical against them maybe was earlier in the season. Um, sure. Now, like they're they yeah they're getting assists and they're scoring goals and they're playing really well. Um, so it, it feels weird to criticize them now. I, I, I kind of am, and I'm kind of not. But yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just kind of stop. <laughs> I think th I think to wrap it up, JF makes a good point here. This argument is like being upset that Shaq didn't shoot enough threes. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of how it is. Look, too I many mean, layups. This, too many layups. I'm, that's I'm, right. I'm upset right. with those layups. Yeah. Looking at the standings, there was a brief moment after this game where we were in first place in the group of death, we'll call it. Um, so, again, we've got some games that we played. Uh, there's teams like Hartford that are three games. They have three games at hand on us. Um, but, uh, you know, guys, we're tied for first, and we've only played one more game against Tampa. So, yeah, they got a game in hand on us, but we're going to have to play them again. So, like, we could we could square that up. Um, not too shabby. Uh, you know, the the teams to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously, Charleston has a chance to leapfrog us. Uh, really, everybody five up has a chance to leapfrog us at this point. Um, and Charlotte's not far off. So, like, really, there's six teams that are really fighting for four spots here. Uh, this is not a gimme. You mean but, Hartford um, or Charlotte? Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte has played, they played two less games than us. And they're, what, 11 points back? So like we lose some games, they win some games, and yeah, we're in there. Sure. The battery. I'm, I'm worried about Hartford. That's that's my biggest fear. Yeah. yeah. Hartford. Like Hartford has only 12 games played, and they are right behind us. So like yeah, they could easily be in first place. Correct. And they score and they score boatloads of goals. Yeah. Right. Which is a nice segue into guys. This Saturday, Hartford comes to town. Last time we played them, we drew 1-1. I believe this was the game where Kenny got the crazy red card thing. That was um, not a red. <laughs> yeah. Hartford has been on a bit of a, a wave the past four games. So they drew 2-2 with Red Bull. 
They then beat Tampa four to one. Then they lost three to one to the battery. And now they just beat Miami two nothing. So, um, so this game, I, I feel like this game is going to be huge last week talking about the Red Bull game, the Hartford game. And then next week we play the battery. We did our whole over under thing. And I think we set the over under at four and a half points. Well, we got three from Red Bull. How confident are you guys that we're going to get two points against Hartford and the battery in these next two games? How, how are you feeling, Josh? I'm feeling pretty good about that. Like, I feel like if you're putting both these games together, I feel like we can definitely get a win from one of these games and get three points. Um, I'm worried about Hartford, but I also don't feel like Hartford is like necessarily on like a winning streak right now. They're just so many games in hand that they have a lot of ground that they a lot of opportunities to make up the ground. Um, I feel like we can beat Hartford at home, uh, which will be nice. But yeah, I I'm I feel like pretty pretty confident in us getting at least two points out of the next two games. Kev, do you agree? Yes. Um, but I could see, you know, for how for how good Hartford seemed this season. And out of memory, I mean, the red card really paints that initial uh, game we played them earlier in the season. I don't remember them being playing us that well. They didn't. Um, yeah. And, and so, but I, mean, I think this for me lines up to be a game where it's one of those where it's like, it's a pretty even game. And the way soccer is just someone, you know, a weird bounce happens that the ball goes in a bad call or whatever could, could determine things. And when we don't necessarily deserve it, we could be walking away with loss. And so, I mean, that, that it feels like it's going to be one of those games, not necessarily where we get bad luck or we get a bad bounce and we lose, but it's just, I think it's, it's, that's more on the cards than like Red Bulls or something. Um, and so it's not out of the question that something weird happens. We lose to Hartford and then we just have a tough game uh, the following week. So, no, I, I think we'll, two two points is more likely than one. Um, but, no, the Hartford game is going to be really, really interesting. And I think that the best thing we have going for us right now is I, not only are we getting results, I think we're playing extremely well. Um, so that gives me all the confidence in the world. And, and like, we're not – we don't – am I right in saying we don't have, like, midweek games? Yeah. Not we're, this we're, week, yeah. Yeah, we're playing them on Saturday. Um, and so I don't think there'd be any reason why we would be doing any kind of rotation. Um, so that that's even more encouraging. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have the feeling that this game on Saturday is probably going to be one of the most entertaining games so far this season. I could be wrong. Oh, um, I'm missing it. I'm missing this game. This sucks. <laughs> that's why game. it's going to be the most entertaining yes, game this exactly. season, Josh, is because you're not going to be there. Yeah. Um, no, it will be very interesting. I tend to agree. I think I still am taking the over. Um, I think even if we were to lose against Hartford, which I always feel like we, <laughs> the three of us have these crazy swings where we'll either come in super overconfident where we just assume we're going to win because it's like, why wouldn't we win? And then we come up against a team that's like half decent and we're like, I don't know, guys, we're going to lose point. Like we don't have this like happy medium of being realistic. Um, Regardless of what happens at Hartford, I think we got a good chance to to pick up three against the battery. Um, which again, like another really good team. This is not this is not Loudon that we're playing, but um, <laughs> or yeah. Red Bulls or Red like, Bulls. Red Bulls yeah. is more appropriate. I will say, I mean, like 
a bit of the narrative in the past five minutes, you know, as we as we talk about this game and, and the previous game is this is really important. Everything's really tight. Teams could leapfrog us. Yes. And, and, you know, we're in the middle part of the season. I think it's all true. But I mean, there is still 17 games left. Um, so it's not the end of the world if if, you know, a bit of momentum now leaks out and and we slow up a bit. I mean, there you know, we don't want that to do that. And, and history says right now we wouldn't. But um, but there is still for as fast as the season moves. And I think especially last year in my head, I'm thinking just how quickly the season moves. Yeah, you know, seventeen games is still a good long time that I get to enjoy watching the rounds. And look, last year we had the problem where we peaked a little too early. So you know, maybe dropping some points here and there isn't a terrible thing. How dare Josh you. just like <laughs> Josh doesn't like that idea. No, no, I know we're, we're winning all the rest of these games this season. Yeah. We're, we're fine. That's <laughs> what we need to do. Good, good. All right. Well, that's that's what's going on with the Hounds. Um, guys, there was some other massive news that came out this week and really got to dig into all of this. So essentially what happened was the USL had their um, their midseason meetings. I'm doing that in air quotes. And uh, Jeff Reuter of The Athletic was there. And there were a bunch of new proposals and items that were discussed. This was the news all over the Internet. Basically, you know, ripping a quote straight from the piece. According to one source, USL president Jake Edwards spoke of this being a potentially seismic moment for the league to boldly establish an identity separate from MLS. He set a target of 2026 when the Men's World Cup will be hosted by the United States, Canada, and Mexico for a new format to be fully established. And then basically went on to propose a number of different things, some of which we've heard of before, some of which we have never heard of before. Uh, the One of the most exciting, I shouldn't say one of the most exciting things, one of the coolest things is that apparently the USL is in conversation with Konami and EA Sports so that potentially we could see the USL in FIFA or whatever Konami's game is, which would be nuts. Um, we'll, we'll see what the odds are of that happening. But um, guys, the, the first one, and I want to kind of like talk through each one of these, get your thoughts. And then we can break down the odds of this happening. We used to have like a ranking system where it was like, I give that like four out of five Dave Brants or I like, I don't know. We'll have to just like come up with something random that we can, we can, uh, you know, add our scale to each one of these. First one is something that I think um, uh, we've all sort of heard for years. Uh, you know, our buddy Phil Grooms has been interviewing Jake Edwards for the past few years. Promotion relegation keeps coming up over and over and over again. And in this case, he brought it up again, and it sounds like the goal is that Jake Edwards is going to talk to each team in the hopes of putting it to a vote during this year's winter meeting in December. So, like, this is going beyond just, like, this would be really cool to do to, like, we're going to vote on this thing happening. And we're not saying it's going to happen next year. Like, it could still be something that they're aiming for for 2026. But they're going to put this thing to a vote. Josh, what are your thoughts on – pro rel in the usl i think it's a fantastic way to differentiate yourself from mls i do think that it has to be a little bit farther out like it can't be next year it has to be like 2026 because usl league one is not up to snuff to usl championship i don't think it is at all um so Right now, you're just going to have a yo-yo situation where you're going to go up, you're going to go down. You're just going to—it's going to be the same teams flip-flopping. Uh, and then when those championship teams, especially because we're keep in mind we're talking about this after 
the MLS teams leave. So right. it's not like we're talking like, you know, you're going to have Loudon down there at the bottom and they could possibly be okay in uh, League One. Like, we're getting rid of the dead weight, essentially, when it comes to teams that kind of always feed the bottom. Look, um, I mean, you look at our table and really it's what? The one, two, three, four, five, six. The top six are all independent clubs. The bottom two are MLS two teams. And so, then, like... Yeah, and if you go uh, to, like, let's say Central Division, Sporting Kansas City is in last place. Real Monarchs is last place in Mountain Division. Um, Oakland Roots, they're not, they're an independent team. But they're last place in uh, the Pacific. But I think they only have, like, one uh, USL team, or MLS team, uh, LA Galaxy 2. Um, oh, wait, I think Tacoma it's- is also is also but they're near in the bottom but anyway my, my point is that you're you're not going to have these teams that are kind of always near the bottom who are going to be okay not dominate too much in league one so league one's going to have to get better it's going to have to get fuller because we're going to be losing teams once uh mls uh, goes away so we're going to need new teams in teams to be competing to a point where they could possibly survive and championship and then even if you get all that figured out, as far as quality on the field goes, you still have the issue of soccer federations still going to have the requirements for what teams can and can't have in their team, like their roster, their, their stadium size, their front office uh, in League One versus League Two. I mean, in uh, Division Two and Three. So that's going to be an issue as well. Yeah, for me, I think that's the biggest thing is – if you transition from league one to the championship, that's going D three to D two. And there's, like you said, there's that whole other set of requirements of stadium size, front office staff. So even if you're good enough to win in league one and move up to the championship, you need to be bringing in enough money. You need to have a, a, a primary investor that's worth X amount of dollars, which that is different between the championship and league one. Um, all of those things would have to happen in like the off season. And then, you know, you're, you're hitting the ground running in the championship. Wait, explain um, to me why that's the case. Because the, the way that the U.S. Soccer Federation has set up our divisions, there is clear rules that if you want to participate in the second division, which is the USL championship, you need to have a stadium with at least 5,000 seating capacity. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're in D3, that number is much less. And yeah. so if you're going to transition from D3 to D2, you now have to upgrade your stadium. You have to have all of these other things in place. So, and uh, I mean, MC, if you saw it in the chat, uh, he brought up a good point about uh, in Premier League, uh, EPL, uh, you have like a three-year grace period to kind of make some things work out. Uh, the problem with that is, I got a feeling what we're going to see is we're going to see clubs who don't want to even do it. Like you're going to have someone in League Two or League One, I'm sorry, in, in League One, who gets promoted, who could get promoted, and they're like, wait, we're going to have to make how much investment? We're going to have to do what? No, we, we're good. We're going to stay in League Two, or League One. So it, I, I could definitely see that happening because that's a lot of investment. And I don't know if fans who are going to championship games or League One games, if the, the majority of the people going care if they're up a league, like we're going to have to sell that to the casual fans. Cause 
if it's just academy kids and their parents watching the game, do they really care if they're in League One versus Championship? Is there enough prestige to get promoted where you're going to be able to get more people in the stadium? It's like, is there enough commitment from the community? I mean, it's sort of ingrained in, in England and in the European model that you just support your local club and that's what it is. And so whether you're in, you know, in our case, League One or League Two or the championship, you just support your club. And, it, and that's not always the case here. I mean, there are a lot of fans in League One. But are there enough that it's like, oh, they moved up a league that like the casual fan is even going to know what that means if you're not like somebody who watches European soccer? Marketing. It has to be marketing. Like we're going to yeah. need the USL as a league itself, like as a, a, a front a, office, a yeah. front office uh, for both leagues to be able to promote why this is a big deal to get fans interested in it and just to get them used to the idea of it. Because I do think it's interesting. I, I feel like people will eat it up like even if you're, you know, bottom of the league in championship, like now you have a reason to go to games because you're like, oh man, they're trying to not go under. And like, we know how exciting that is because of following European soccer and all their leagues. But American fans who don't do that, they don't know that. And like, they've never experienced that. So that's a very cool possibility and it could be fun, but it's just, I do question if financial incentives are there because not even like, you know, league one versus championship have great, financial uh differences as far as like tv deals and stuff like that so it's not like you're now getting a bigger cut of a bigger pie if you go up to championship it's i just don't know if it's a big enough difference for the front offices to actually care yeah yeah i mean part of me wonders if you know hopefully the video game deals and and this has the potential to bring in more ad revenue from tv and stuff kev what were you gonna say oh no I, a few things um Quickly, one, the, I guess the Konami game is Pro Evolution Soccer, oh, yeah. um, which I think is bigger in Europe. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I was always a FIFA and football manager person. Um, other side note, Knoxville is going to have a League Two team uh, in the future. Does that uh, mean you're no longer on the show? Are you jumping ship? Is that what yeah, you're starting, your Knoxville podcast? starting your Knoxville yeah. podcast? Okay, cool. Great. Um, and, and three, I don't know. So, so from, from what you both eloquently uh, discussed about the argument so far. To me, with, with not knowing and not being as deep in this as, as both of you are, it seems like maybe, I mean, you would kind of need to get the US Soccer Federation on like cheering for something like this, because if there's something in place where there's a policy and a stipulation that says, if you're in this division, you need this. Yeah, I mean, that just, that doesn't sound like, the easier route to me sounds just like change the policy. Like why, why do you, you don't need to do that. Policies can be changed to, you know, support the initiative that, that, that you want to grow and build. So to me, the whole, like, fine, even if you want to say for, if maybe you've done an economic analysis and an advertising analysis and says you need 5,000 stands, then in that case, if you're going to stand by that hard and fast, if you can get the U.S. Soccer Federation on your side, maybe you can divert more resources to clubs and say, look, you don't need a huge private investor for this. We'll back you on some levels to help for stadium upgrades or stadium resource allocation or whatever. Um, and so it, it sounds like if, if the U.S., you know, if the Federation is going to cross their arms and say, go ahead and try, we're still going to have policies that don't make sense to support a, you know, a pro-rel system between the level of clubs that we're at and the resources that these clubs have, 
I think it's going to be really hard. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's just it, rather than trying to get low, um, what's the word? Like not, you know, clubs that don't have a, a ton of financial backing rather than trying to get them on side with obscure policies that don't make sense for them or for the league. It sounds easier to just try to change the policies. And for that, you really need to have, you, you know, bring it, bring a really good case to, uh, to the Federation. Yeah. The, the issue is right now, at least in the past, uh, USSF, uh, has seemed very much more kind of in cahoots with MLS and keeping right them happy. Um, and that's why we have some of these requirements and it's kind of like, okay, well, like it, are they going to bend to this? But I will say that it makes a lot of sense to get rid of these rules. If you're promoting and relegating based off of merit, because the whole reason why we have these rules right now, because there is no promotion or relegation upon merit. So the only way you can kind of make sure that people are the teams in league one or league two or, uh, you know, whatever are doing what they need to do and producing the, the quality of players you want to produce is if you have all these rules in place, since you can't do it based off merit. So now if we were to create a system based off merit, there's no reason for those rules to be there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I agree with everything that you guys have said. I think that, the USSF's or US, the US Soccer Federation's um, primary goal should be as many successful teams and as many markets as they possibly can, regardless of what league they're in. So right now, the USL is the one that's really making the push for that with the support between the championship, League One and League Two, whereas MLS is sort of capped at where they are and they're, they are now going to have their own like D3 for these teams, but they're not going to get any support. So, you know, yeah, you're going to want a, a team in Knoxville to to start up and get a big fan base and be successful and work its way up into the championship. And that creates more interest and that's better for the country as a whole, which is who the U S soccer federation is supposed to be supporting. If, if you believe in that argument, I agree. I, I mean, to me, that argument makes sense and is logical. If you can grow soccer markets in as many cities and towns as possible, then that grows the following and and support for you know the sport in in the country you could take an opposite stance and say you know what there's there's like a quote in investing it's like why put money towards your fifth best idea why not just put money towards your first best idea so if, if the u.s soccer federation thinks their first best idea is growing the mls to its absolute best and trying to have a league that competes globally then why would they divert resources away from that? And why not just put back in the MLS? I'm just, I'm not saying that I, I necessarily agree with this. I'm saying that's an right. argument. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a nice little segue into the second point that Jake Edwards sprung on everybody that apparently nobody really heard about before he brought this up, but he is proposing that we shift the USL calendar from spring to fall to fall to spring to be in line with the European schedule. So the idea, you know, what some people were floating was this could put us more in line with the European transfer market, which never really thought of before. Like, I guess there's, there's, there is a struggle in terms for MLS of bringing European players over because they always end up coming over mid-season MLS. So they're not having a preseason with the team. They're not getting used to the team. They're all that because they're coming over in the summer when the European season is over and MLS is already in the thick of it. So 
in theory, we could do this. There's the argument of, would you rather be sweltering at Highmark Stadium or freezing at Highmark Stadium? Um, yeah. there, are, there are teams that are further north than us that are really going to be freezing and like shoveling off fields before games. But, you know, that's that that really is going to differentiate things from MLS and pull us more in the English model. And, you know, say what you will about Alexi Lawless. I just remember his one argument was, no, his argument was, if you're not happy with MLS, then make a better mousetrap. And the USL is trying to make a better mousetrap. So, like, the what thought is, is... What does this have to do with mousetraps? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Lexi Laws thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I but, one. yeah. but it's it's if you're not happy with the mousetrap that you have, then you make a better mousetrap. You don't sit and complain about the mousetrap that you have. So all the sure. people who complain about, oh, U.S. soccer isn't on the European schedule and there's no promotion relegation, well, go do it. And if it turns out to be better, then you're going to end up better than MLS is. And so, you know, is USSF for whatever. Um, I feel like I'm always missing it. Anyway, that if it comes along and they see the success of USL being on a European schedule and having promotion and relegation, I don't want to say his allegiance going to shift. I don't know, but I'm getting way off the question. Josh, how do you feel about a fall to spring schedule at Highmark Stadium? I feel like even more so than ProRail, this could be a, uh, an idea that would possibly really hurt or help teams like it's a situation where this could be worse off in the end because okay it's really cold <laughs> you could just full stop right yeah. there it's and really cool if you're already in a league that depends on ticket sales and stadium participation to survive and then you're saying hey not only you know are we asking you to come to second division soccer, but also it's going to be freezing out on boxing day, right? Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh... It's, it's, it's going to be freezing out and oh yeah, there's also college football still going on. So like, you know, you can't watch your college ball anymore. Um, it, you have the Steelers, but that doesn't really, I don't think the Steelers matter at all in this conversation because one tickets cost so much more than house tickets and two, they usually play on Sunday. We usually play on Saturday. So I don't, I don't feel like that is the issue. Penguins, you're going to have the penguins going to be more of a direct competition for the hounds, uh, which I mean, they already are for part of the season anyway. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's, it is what it is. I'm more worried about college ball because I feel like a lot of people watch it on TV and you're, are you going to go out to the game instead of just watching college ball on TV? Is Are you going to be able to convince, you know, the rest of the family to come out? Um, but more importantly, it's just the cold factor. And it, it's, it's a situation where I feel like some clubs are not going to be able to get ticket sales because of this. Hey, global warming, baby. Just give us a few years. It's not going to be cold anymore. 2026, you're, you're right. It That's won't right. be a problem. We're fine. That's right. <laughs> Our average temperature in the winter is going to be like 45 degrees. It'll be great. I will say that we've been selling soccer scarves for a long time. In Army, <laughs> and It'll be great to actually be able to wear them at the games. <laughs> you just wear them all like that episode of Friends where Joey yeah. put on all of Chandler's clothes. It'll just be, yeah. This whole thing, yeah, I'll just yeah. like drape it over me. Uh, Kev, you you applauded this. I mean, obviously, you're in a bit of a different situation where it doesn't get terribly cold <laughs> there. So, no, I, I applauded at the very beginning. Josh made really good points that I didn't consider. I, I think you're right when when so much of like the economics around a lot of these clubs depend on ticket sales. I, I 
without running the numbers, like, yeah, you would think you would get more ticket sales when you have a game, you know, for 4th of July and you can have fireworks or right. I mean, like when, when it's just, when so much of the selling point at Highmark is, I mean, I, I can tell you how many, I was like, I don't hang out with a lot of people. I don't drive in Pittsburgh that much, but it feels like every time I drive back home from Pittsburgh and I go through the tunnels and I cross over the bridge and, you know, I see Highmark uh, on my way back to, to Penn Hills, whoever I'm in the car with, you know, who doesn't like soccer, they're like, yeah, I'd hang out there for an evening and just like have a, have a drink and some nut, you know, like, so there's something about, yeah, like the nice you've, weather. You've whatever. whittled that down to like one person. I know. That's what we've been talking about. <laughs> if but, I'm coming uh, home with a friend and I drive past Highmark, they might be like, yeah, I'd hang out there. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so no, that's, a, no, both, both of those points are really, are really good. The, the, the only reason why I applauded it is because, yeah, like, in, in the competition between other sports. Um, the only reason why I applauded it is because, yeah, I mean, naturally, I it feels right for stop, like for soccer to start in the fall. And I don't know, just, it, I've always liked seeing the Pittsburgh team play with like snow on the field, right? I grew up with that with the Steelers. I grew up with like, that was the advantage. When, when teams came to Pittsburgh, they can't deal in the cold and we can't because we live here and blah, blah, blah. And that was always kind of a thing. Um, but I mean, look, a couple of things that I'll add to that. One, I think that there is a, I don't disagree with anything that either of you just said. Well, really I, quickly, like you, there's that line that like in England, they'll use like, can you do it on a windy Wednesday night in Stoke or whatever? Like that could be the new thing for Pittsburgh, right? Like, can they do it on a cold, windy Saturday night in Pittsburgh? Anyway, sorry. Thank you. I mean, is that I, does that have the potential to limit the players that we can get? Because given the option of playing in Miami or Pittsburgh in December, like they're going to be in Miami. Um, I think that there is something to um, people's annual rhythms. I think it's all been baked into us from the time that we we're kids that you get to the fall and there's a, a little bit more excitement because you're starting back to a new school year. It's this sense of like newness. And I think that kicking off a season in the fall, doing tailgating in the fall to start the season has the potential to ramp up in the same way that tailgating at football games in the fall does as well. There's 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 this thing with tailgating in the fall that could be good. There could be the potential for the Hounds to make more money on concessions, selling things like hot chocolate, multiple hot chocolates during a game, hand warmers, uh, you know, you might splurge on some of the better seats that have heaters around them um so you might get less people but you might get more revenue this is all theoretical i'm just making stuff up but i think that it's interesting i think that pro rel would likely happen before this switch to the european schedule um just because i think there's going to be a lot of owners that are going to be like nope like unless you're unless you're giving us some money to to make up for lost ticket ticket sales like this is going to be a tough one to swallow i will say though i mean with when when you when summer games get so hot where during league play you have to say okay we're taking water breaks break. on yeah on that feels weird right like so i don't know there could there could be a reason around that too or a reasoning around that too yeah, yeah. All right, so that was that was the big news. Again, um, other than like floating it, I, there hasn't been anything about you know an actual vote in the same way that Pro Rel was talking about there being a vote. But it's something that Jake Edwards has put out there to the owners to start thinking about. 
guys, what are the uh, what do we we didn't do odds of pro rel happening? What are the odds of uh, of uh, this happening? Somebody, hold on, I need to I need to scroll back up through the comments. Somebody said that our our ranking system should be how many Lily cheeseburgers is that? So. <laughs> Four, yeah, MC. MC said on the first one he gives it four out of five Bob Lilly cheeseburgers, which well, I feel like I feel yeah, yeah I feel like it's a bit of a knock towards Lilly, you know. But like I, just saying the word Bob Lilly cheeseburger is kind of fun, so we're gonna go with that. So on Pro Rel, he gave it four to five Bob Lilly cheeseburgers. Uh, what do you guys give Pro Rel? How many how many Bob Lilly cheeseburgers out of five? I mean, personally, I think that's more likely to happen, and and it's not just because. I like the idea, but it's because Jake Edwards. Jake Edwards has pretty much been pushing this since he became president of yeah. USL, and it's been like his project this whole time. Like he wants this to happen, and yeah. he's been doing good with USL. So I feel like they're gonna, he's gonna get it done because that's what he wants this league to be. Yeah, I, I give Pro Rel a five out of five. Bubbly cheeseburgers. I think it happens. I yeah. don't think you Jeez. create League One. I don't think you create League Two if that's not your intention. So I you think don't call it the championship. Deal. You don't call it the championship. <laughs> yeah, like it's this is it's gonna happen. Um, I'd say he gets through two and has a trouble finishing the third. I say two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually. Who's is it? Jake Edwards or is it Bob Lilly eating them? Is that what? Like who's eating the cheeseburgers? They're, they're, okay. ha they're having to sit down. <laughs> Jake Edwards is trying to convince it. Like cheersing, cheersing. Cheeseburgers, like yeah. like their drinks. Okay, so then the European schedule. I, I mean, I give this like I probably give this two out of five. Bob Lilly cheeseburgers. I don't. I think it's a cool idea. I think if they could figure out a creative way to make it happen, that I mean, that is the dividing line. I think between MLS and USL. I think Pro Rel is great, and I think it matters a lot to the fans who really care about soccer. But as soon as you start switching the schedule around, that's like, there's no going back. It's just, we're not MLS. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, tough. it's 50 50 for me. And I also didn't even bring up my other issue with the idea of it of being the fact that, like, you're building an American soccer pyramid. The whole idea of that is to be able to go up between the leagues and, like, build your career. And I don't see how that works with two of your top leagues being at different times of the year. Like, it seems weird to me. Like, it feels like it doesn't flow up like it should if you're basing one league off of Europe and the other one's America. I get that. But I also kind of feel like, you know, MLS has sort of dug their heels in. And, yeah. and, and there aren't a lot of USL players that transition up to MLS anyway, as much as they like to say there are. It, I mean... You have players like Tyler Pasher, which, you know, drink, um, who is playing, but like isn't a world beater in MLS. So there you go, Josh. You're welcome. Um, Josh, how many, how many uh, bodily cheeseburgers do you give? <laughs> you said European two. Right? Oh, you said uh, 2.5. 2. I said 50. Two point, okay, two and a half. Kev? I don't know what. Pro Rail has been on our collective lips longer than this, right? This oh, it's, it's been oh, like yeah, three definitely. or four years. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, from a purely kind of regulatory and bureaucratic perspective, intuitively, without thinking about it, this feels easier to do than ProRel. It does. Mm -hmm. But so just 
being dumb and naive, I would say this probably has a better chance of happening if everyone wants it to happen. Um, I think that's the kicker. I don't think everybody wants it to happen. Who knows? Yeah, I, I have no idea. But it, but it, it just feels like an easier switch, right? There's no policies that need to be changed. There's no resource allocation that needs to happen. There's no stadium, you know, improvements or anything that happen. You just, all right, we're playing. We're starting and on the state. Um, so I, yeah, I, it feels like it might be easier to happen. It's just, it's such a new idea to me, and I just don't know where everyone stands on it, but. You know, if Jake Edwards is, is legitimately behind this, then it's it's probably easier to execute on it. So I'll still say two and a half, probably cheeseburgers, but uh, but yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get through these last few because we're we're running short on time here. Uh, League's Cup was proposed, which again, this is something else that we've been talking about for years. But basically, it would be a cup tournament between the championship, League One, and potentially League Two. Um, it sounds like some of the owners were a little bit resistant because with the U.S. Open Cup the schedule is already packed as it is. So, you know, while it would be cool, there's no like cash incentive at this point if you win the cup. So why are we adding more games to the schedule with the potential to get hurt while the US cup Open Cup is still in play, while league is still going on? So what are the advantages of doing it? I think you could add a cat, you get some sponsors, add a cash prize to it. Maybe people get a little bit more interested. But, um, you know, Josh, what are your, what's your thoughts on an interconference tournament? Yeah, I mean, I don't see a point in this unless it is to test the waters of Pro Rel. And if that's the case, then I don't think getting the best team in both leagues makes sense because that's like way far apart in quality level. Then, like, if you could somehow promote this as a cup where like the bottom three teams play the top three teams, like that would be interesting. But then it's just basically Pro Rel light and kind of just like a little test run, which that would help us more to know if ProRel could work. So yeah, personally, meh, don't care. Uh, I, I think it's it seems like we already have the Open Cup. Why do we have a mini Open Cup? Yeah, I think if we didn't have the Open Cup, then like this would be a cool thing to do. Kev, you're nodding. You agree with that? Agreed. Move on. Okay, but wait. So we all, <laughs> so we all agree that we shouldn't do this, but what's the likelihood of this happening? Like how many Bob Lilly cheeseburgers do you think that this is like in terms of this is, is this going to happen or not? If it's like a one-off game, if it's like literally like the top of both and like it's not like a whole long drawn out process, it, easy. Like, yeah, that's just one extra game. Basically make it like a postseason match or something like that, a uh, victory lap almost. Uh, so that would be easy. But if they want to do a whole full out, you know, like group stage, tournament, long drawn out, no. the, the Too many games, it's congested as it is. Do not want it. Although there'll be no MLS teams. So we will have less teams in the leagues. So maybe we won't be as congested. Yeah. Uh, two. We'll say two. Two Bob Lilly cheeseburgers. Yeah. Two, two BLCs. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few I, it was years, just too much too much language. I needed to shorten it. it yeah, BLC. Yeah. A few years back, we figured out... A few years back, we figured out what a, uh, a Bob Lilly special was uh, on pizza. Oh, yeah. I think we need to figure out what is a Bob Lilly cheeseburger. What was so the Bob Lilly special on the pizza? I forget. It, it was, was one zero, so it was half pep, half cheese. Half plain, <laughs> right. yeah. um, so if you guys have thoughts, what is a Bob Lilly cheeseburger? Like what, what what is on a Bob Lilly cheeseburger? Give us some good ideas. I know we've got some free stuff to give away, so maybe we'll give give something <laughs> away to the best one. It's gonna be We're fun. just looking to give stuff away. Please give <laughs> I'm us just any. Saying, this is fun. <laughs> anyway, okay. 
Mike um, just turns around. I have a fidget spinner. I don't know. Like, no, here you no, go. no, no, no. <laughs> Literally, I got a closet full of like Mongol socks and hats and jerseys and like we got we got to give some stuff away. Right. Um, I think if pro rel happens, then the likelihood of this happening goes down. Okay. I think if pro rel doesn't happen, then you're going to have Jake Edwards pushing for this sooner rather than later. So I will give this one BLC and um, and and that's under the idea that pro rel is going to happen. So, so there's that. And then, uh, MLS's D three impact. So this was something that, that, you know, Josh already mentioned all the MLS two teams are leaving the USL. So it's literally going to be a completely separate thing. No more two teams. They're creating their own third division league. So basically it'll be in line with, uh, USL league one in theory. And some of the teams are work. Some of the teams in USL are worried about the impact the MLS teams moving to a league that's at the same level and whether or not that could be problematic. Um, my thoughts are not going to be problematic. You don't have anybody supporting the, the MLS two teams as it is for the most part. Um, and part of the reason why MLS is doing a D3 is because they don't want to put the investment in to have bigger stadiums for a D2. This is purely a developmental system for them. I just don't see it being as impactful as, you know, who's going to go, you know, are you going to have more people that go watch Atlanta United 2 or, you know, Chattanooga? Like it's the home team that that is a is a pro team that's not a two team is likely going to get more of a following and I don't I don't think it's a big issue. Is any is anybody else concerned about that? No, I don't see MLS pumping money into this league. Like yeah. I, I feel like they're gonna just have it be developmental for the players, and I could even see them being like, "Yeah, closed doors." You know what I mean? Like they, they yeah. don't, they don't have to. Doesn't have to be on TV. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure there's some rules, just like we were talking about with the uh, soccer federation. There's gonna be some rules where they have to adhere by. So maybe they do have to do something where they have to actually have fans and crap like that. But like, they're gonna put as little money into this as possible because this is not where they're gonna make money. This is going to be a money sink, not yep. a money gain. So, like, why would they even try? Yeah, agreed. Kev, do you disagree at all? No. Okay, so none of us are concerned. So, I, in terms of BLCs, I don't think there are any BLCs. I think, no. you know, it's just, I, I don't think this is going to be an issue. So, so guys, that was sort of all of the big news. Um, and it sounds like there was even more that was discussed behind closed doors that they can't share with us. So lots and lots and lots of stuff that could be coming down the pike here in the next few years. And some of it we may know as soon as December if the league is going to vote on some of the stuff, which is really, really exciting. Um, so stay tuned, man. And let us know what you think. First of all, let us know what you think a BLC actually is. And second of all, let us know what you think on all of these different topics, right? A lot of people in the comments uh, during the show, we appreciate it, sharing thoughts on everything from ProRel to the the change in schedule to everything that's been proposed. Let us know what you think. Let's continue the conversation because I think this is really good stuff. Um, guys, anything else that you want to talk about as it relates to all the USL news or the Hounds or anything like that? I think we covered it. Yeah, cool. Uh, no show next week. We are taking the week off. Josh, where are you going to be? Uh, Ocean City with a bunch of friends. We rented an Airbnb with a pool, and we're just going to hang out for a week. Nice. 
I will be in a tent somewhere in West Virginia, so I will not be anywhere near the computer. Kevin could do the show solo, which I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot of people would enjoy, including Kevin. Yeah. So uh, sure. we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna take the week off. Um, we will be back uh, the following week. Make sure that uh, you guys get down to Highmark on Saturday. Support the Hounds against Hartford. As we said, this is going to be one heck of a game. Um, yeah. Otherwise. Thanks, guys, for coming out. Let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Uh, as always, head over to mongols.com, click on support the show to become a Patreon follower. Weekly reminder, as always, that Black Lives Matter. And as usual, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Looking for more great USL news? Head over to BGN.FM, where we've now got over 100 fans that are writing and podcasting about the beautiful game. Lots of great features that went up on the site this week, including the USL show doing a ton of coverage on all of this USL news. Go check that out and check them out at bgn.fm. Otherwise, as always, thanks, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.